I've been putting bad guys away for 44 years. I've been part of investigating over a thousand deaths. I've been a part of putting more than 400 murders in prison, and I'm still at it. I'm Tim Corbett. These are my cases. This isn't your typical criminal profile podcast. This is Killer Catchers. Good evening. Uh, my name is Tim Corbett. I'm owner of Corbett Investigative Service in South Bend, Indiana. You can reach me at 574-229-8115. I retired. I was a police officer for 45 years and commander of the homicide unit for about 17 and a half. Um, handled well over 1,000 cases, put over 425 people in prison for just murders. When I say I, it's us, we, a conglomeration of officers that work very hard to do that. It's never an I game. It's a we game, and we were very successful. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about Amanda Scott and Aaron Wilson. Um, Aaron Wilson killed Amanda Scott and then committed suicide. This happened on October 18, 2016, at 530 South 25th Street, South Bend, Indiana. Um, this case is one, um, it really got to some of the guys, me included. There's a little five-year-old girl who was the daughter of these two people was in the house and we'll explain quite a bit about what went on with that little girl. Uh, we're not going to say her name because I don't want anybody trying to find her and talk to her or do anything like that, but this girl's as much of a victim as these other two folks are. Um, before I go any further, um, I want to apologize for the last couple weeks we've had to do some reruns because I was in a horrible place in my lifetime. It was called Aruba, cold beer, sandy beaches, great water, and skimpy bikinis and all sorts of horrible stuff that I had to go through for a solid week. So uh, I'm probably still going to need counseling after all that. I didn't want to look at all that, but I did. So I want to apologize for that. And I'm sure I'm getting sympathy from my two colleagues over here that are calling BS already. So we we had to run we had to run a couple of cases because I wasn't here. So after doing that, uh, I want to get started. Tonight with me is... Uh, What's your name, Kyle? Kyle Slater. Yeah, Kyle Slater. He's with St. Joseph County Police Department. Next to him is Brian Cook. You've seen Cookie and Kyle quite a few times. Uh, we worked as a team. So Kyle's got a softball game tonight, so we're going to get him on pretty quickly to describe the scene. First off, I want to tell you this happened at about 5.27 p.m. on a Tuesday night. South Bend Police received a call of something that didn't sound right to a, uh, a guy that was on the phone with Aaron. Uh, he thought he heard a gunshot in the background, and uh, he called the police to get the police there, and we'll kind of describe that. But Kyle, kind of go through the scene as you recall it. Um, once we got into the scene, uh, I remember it was, it was a pretty normal setting, the house. Uh, the living room is, is a fairly clean house. Um, everything seemed to be pretty much in order for the most part. Um, except for when you, you walk into the front and you see the living room, uh, and you, it's an open concept where there's uh, a dining room. And that dining room on the floor was a holster for a, a pistol. So that was like the first thing, it's like, okay. And then once you walk into the child's bedroom, um, it's just horrific in there. Um, that's where we found the bodies of the deceased in there. And, it, you know, that's, you know, why it happened in that room, I don't know. It was just, it was horrific. It was a bloody scene. There was a gun. Uh, Both of them were shot in the head. Yes. What, do you remember what kind of evidence you got out of there besides the gun that was still right by his hand and what else? 
Uh, so really pretty cut and dry. I mean, um, it was very odd because in that room there was a, a camera, like a video camera set up in there, but there was no recording on it. We did, uh, you know, have that forensically examined and there was nothing on the recordings other than uh, I think on the internal memory of the camera was just some old family pictures and stuff like that but there was nothing of the incident so I don't it you know maybe it was I don't I don't know if it was set up for the incident or not I don't know but it, it wasn't rolling during that time um, the, um, the the female suffered a horrific gunshot wound and um, to her head and um, next to the suspect uh, which is Aaron Wilson was in, a, in right next to his right hand was a handgun. Just to go back uh, kind of from the beginning, um, Aaron had a friend. I won't mention his name because I don't think it's fair to him. Um, that was talking to Aaron on the phone, and he, Aaron had asked him to come and get the child who was five years old and was in the house when this happened. Um, this gentleman was trying to get some more information out of Aaron, and he just finally said, smoke, come get, and gave the little girl's name. Uh, these two guys had been good friends for 12, 13 years. They did a lot of shooting together. They were very good buddies, and this gentleman was very familiar with the sound of a gunshot. He heard what he believed to be a gunshot going off. He tried to stay in contact, tried to talk to, uh, to Aaron, no response whatsoever, and then he heard a loud buzzing sound sounded him like the smoke alarm or the an alarm for um, you know for home invasions, uh, just a general alarm going off. He got off the phone, called his wife, and talked to her about what he should do. She suggested he call the police. He got a hold of the South Bend police. South Bend police show up. Uh, naturally, when you hear a call of a gunshot, uh, you know uh, cops are armed. They're going to protect themselves. They made an approach to the home could not get in, and one of the officers was able to see uh, somebody on the couch. It ended up being the young girl who was five years old, who was the daughter of the two deceased people. Um, the guy that he had been talking to came from Bremen, Indiana, drove up here, and obviously he's frantic. He doesn't know what's going on. He, was, he had a key to, to Aaron's house. Gave the key to the police. The police were able to make entry. Obviously, they got the little girl out as quickly as they could because you really don't know, is this a hostage situation? How in-depth is this? You know there's a shot fired, there's a kid in there, and you're really not clear on what's happening. So when cops go to these situations, it's not like we're clairvoyant and we know what's going on. We have to be technically firm, technically strong, and uh, we have to get in and out safe and make sure that that little girl is protected. That was done, and they walked in and they found the scene that Kyle was talking about. Both of them are deceased from the traumatic head wounds. Um, and, uh, I'll go into a little bit more detail about what the little girl told told some people afterwards about what happened. Not only do we have the victim, Amanda Scott, who obviously had no vote in this whatsoever, Aaron Wilson did. Aaron Wilson had a choice. He didn't have to shoot her. He didn't have to shoot himself. But because of uh, apparently some very strong feelings, he took both the mother and father away from his daughter. That's how much greed was involved in this. That's how much narcissistic attitude was involved in it. And, you know, I'm sure some people are going to say, well, he committed suicide and you know, what a horrible thing to do. Yeah, it is. But think about what that little girl, and she was of age, five, 
but she's going to remember this forever. This isn't something that is going to go away with counseling. This isn't something that she's going to forget because she was so young, she's not going to have a memory of it. This is something she's going to remember for the rest of her life. And who knows what kind of kind of cost this is going to be to her later on in her life. So not only are two lives gone, maybe a third life is going to be damaged forever. Um, it's not fair. It's just not fair. But uh, Cookie, you did a lot of the investigation in there. You, you got in there pretty quickly. And what do you remember? Yeah, the, the, the main thing I was happy to hear was that the little girl was physically okay. Um, that was my biggest concern. Uh, I'd already been informed that the, the, the two adults were deceased. Um, doing a little background after interviewing a lot of people in the family, this had been a, a spiral coming for a long time. Uh, Aaron had some medical problems and he had been in and out of work and uh, it, uh, I don't know if he battled depression or what, but he, he definitely took the selfish road. Um, But the little girl physically was okay. Now what's gonna happen down the road is hard to say. Um, after speaking with uh, several witnesses, including parents of, of the, the, the folks, the decedents, um, they had been married quite a while. Uh, they'd separated, been back together, uh, separated uh, together again, uh, work issues, things like that. And just, uh, we're just having a turbulent time uh, while still co-parenting this little girl. And the little girl obviously had no clue of the problems that was actually going on. Um, it, it, is, uh, it is a tragic thing, but I've seen these to where they could have very easily, he could have taken the little girl as well. Thank God that did not happen. Um, this was a up close and personal uh, if I remember right, she was shot in the... She, she was shot very right where her eye is, and very close. Um, there was, was stippling on her. Um, Explain what stippling is for some people that don't know. Um, so, when a, a shot's fired up in a close proximity from uh, actual contact to close contact, maybe a foot away, you're generally going to see some type of a stippling on the face. It's the, the burning powder that comes out of the gun when you shoot it, and it creates that. So once you start getting to a certain point um, back, then you won't see the stippling. It depends on the type of gun. It depends on the type of ammunition, on how close it is to, for you to actually start seeing some burning uh, or stippling from that. So with that being said, I mean, there was a lot there. So it was very, very close contact. Um, there was some tearing to the wound, which indicates that it was probably right against her. If you've ever seen a gun shot at night, how the flame comes out of the barrel, that's what creates the stippling, is that correct? So like it's the fire and the powder that actually is leaving in the gun with the projectile. So that can tell you how close that is that she was burnt from that. And that was a little girl's room, right? Yes. So here's a typical little girl's room with dolls and... Um, Disney. And, I'm sorry? There was Disney stuff. Yeah. That little girl forever, hopefully she never seen it. I, I hope she didn't see anything, but you never know. She remembers her room and her mind as her Disney stuff, as her dolls. And here's my shoes. And here's my little dresses. And here's all that. 
and forever that has changed. The clothing, everything in, just about everything in there had blood spatter, brain matter, had all, you know, every everything horrific that can come from a traumatic head wound. And that little girl was told by her dad to go out and sit in the other room. And she told a relative that her dad told her mom to lay down. And she remembers her daddy standing over the mom and shooting her twice. She was actually shot one time, but in a five-year-old's mind, what she probably did was hear that gunshot go off to kill her mother, and then shortly thereafter, the second one that killed her father, and she put it together as two shots. But can you imagine your father, the one that's supposed to be protecting you, that's supposed to make sure you're safe and take you sledding and doing all that stuff, telling you to go out and sit in the other room while I kill your mother and then kill myself? Can you imagine what goes on through a little kid's mind like that, trying to process that? Five years old, trying to explain to, uh, we called in a couple of our uh, chaplains to come down. One of the chaplains, I remember going out in, the, in one of the rooms, He's actually sitting there coloring with this little girl, and he's trying to keep her mind off of it. She's talking about her numbers and school and coloring and trying to stay in the lines. And he's trying to keep her mind still going on that, so she's not focusing on it. And then she would blurt things out about what happened. Then he'd try and shift her back, you know, not to make her forget. You know, hopefully you could do that, but that's not going to happen to where it doesn't dominate her. But even in her little mind, doing all the things that she was having fun with, she'd get a flashback of that, go back to color, flashback of that. So, you know, when you when you hear these stories, when you see these things, it's it's unbelievable the amount of violence people do to each other. It's unbelievable what what people have to say or see, first responders, cops, firemen, paramedics. Um, and then on top of that, now you remember her mother pulled up. Remember Remember anything yeah. about that? Uh, I, I do, and I, I, like you said, this bothered a lot of us. Uh, a lot of us, most of us had had or have kids that are grown or still at home. Um, I remember pulling up and seeing one of the officers, one of the Selkman officers, had her at the ice cream truck buying her an ice cream. And just to see the innocence in that little girl wondering what ice cream she's going to get, not realizing the the gravity of what had just happened uh, and it's the silly little things like that that always get me uh, that kind of just take me back a little bit um, I mean we've seen about everything there is to see but then you see the innocence in the middle of all of it uh, it just it, it kills you those are the kinds of things I have a hard time putting out of my head um, but the, the, the mother of, of the, the female yes she did show up and uh, just what a what a wonderful lady and uh, little girl is very happy to see her grandma and just to see that um, the little girl was going to be with somebody was just pretty phenomenal that she had something to take her well the mom didn't even know she just happened to be going by and saw her daughter's car there and stopped one of the cops right. and said hey that's my daughter's car what's right. going on here so she had no idea and right. now we got to go break the news to her that well, your worst nightmare has happened and and if i recall we couldn't even tell her right away because she said that's my daughter but we have to confirm 
that that is daughter mom because a lot of people say that's my family that's my brother but there's no relation and you know we have an obligation to notify the proper people so uh, it had to be horrific for mom not knowing but seeing the crime scene tape and everything like that um, but you know there's there's no easy way to tell them um, that's one of the worst parts of this job. When you have to go to somebody's home, either there is no easy delivery, there is no smooth way uh, that you can ever make it feel good because it's never going to feel good. You just you have to deliver it. You have to do it. Uh, we've never done it by phone. <coughs> Excuse me. It's always been face to face, man to man, or whatever. That's the way it just has to be. That's the professional way to do it. I and I've heard cases where people pick up the phone. I is Miss Jones. Yeah, Miss Jones. This and it never happened around here. I guarantee it. This is a whatever police department. Uh, you have a daughter or son named Bill Smith. Yeah, uh, he's dead. Could you come down to the uh, come down to the hospital and we need somebody to look at the body? How in the hell do you do that to somebody? I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. We in, 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 in a decent delivery, much less that cold that's like you're trying to sell something over the phone we even if people live out of state we will contact that local police department and send an officer to the house and not do it over the phone but i have worked with you for over 10 years and i cannot tell you how many times i've been with you in the middle of the night knock on a door and people know who you are and people come to the door at three in the morning and i can't tell you how many times people said Tim Corbett at my door at three in the morning, this is not good. And I mean, we've had people just collapsed, kind of assuming, but uh, on the same token, people are grateful to see you because they know who you are. Well, it's, it's one of two things. You see this ugly face at your door, I'm either giving you bad news about somebody in your family or bringing come, you bad or news. coming after your family. Yeah. So either way, it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. Well, this, this whole thing, in my opinion, could have been completely avoided. You know, you're splitting up. It's over. You got somebody else. I got somebody else. Things are moving on. Whatever the situation is, we didn't really get into, uh, you know, a whole lot of the background as far as, you know, why they weren't getting along, why they split up. Um, walk away. Just walk away. A man is like a bus. If you wait long enough, another one will come by. A woman's like a bus. You wait long enough, another one will come by. It hurts. It's painful. Nobody likes getting kicked to the curb. But what have you done? You, you've taken away your problems. You're dead. You're gone. You have nothing else to worry about other than going to hell for killing yourself. But this little girl's got to live with this. She's going to have to explain eventually to a boyfriend, to a relative to a friend, you know, how come your mommy and daddy aren't here? And they, they have to explain that. Uh, it, it's a terrible thing. But the cops all, they all got together. They've been, like you said, you know, bought that little girl ice cream. It's not a big deal. You know, a buck and a half out of your pocket. So, but it's a, it's a, the gesture, it's the kindness that people don't hear about. They hear about all the, you know, all the other crap that, uh, you know, people put out there that 99% of it isn't true, but it's, newsworthy so it's put out there regardless of the validity of it you don't hear stories like this but you hear them here you're going to hear them about another another place i'm going to tell you about there's a guy here in town called clifton french that's his name he has a he 
does a thing called Real News Michiana. Real News Michiana. Write that down. Go to that website and look and see what he's telling you. You're hearing the other side of the story, the truth. The victims, the people that have been victimized by this, that are coming forward and telling what's really happening. Not, not what's going to sell, what's the truth. And nothing's off the table with it. The Clifton French Real News Michiana, because you're going to be hearing a lot from that guy. Um, I don't know what what else can you tell about the scene that you recall because I know you know you got kids it's just like all of us and it's, it's, well, it's ugly some of the things that, some of the facts that you guys had learned from you know a little girl saying that she was told to go sit in the living room I mean you could tell the TV was on with uh, you know cartoons on the TV and then there was like a pink child's uh, tablet or iPad sitting right there on the table so I mean, that's very consistent with what she was saying. Um, um, other than that, I mean, it was a very, you know, other than the bedroom, that was just horrific. You know, it, it, there really wasn't much else going on throughout that house. When you when you looked at that scene, did, did it immediately come to your mind murder suicide? Yeah. When I looked, when I walked in that bedroom. Is that what you do? Yes. Me too. Seen too many. Well, what do we have to continue to do? Can't just walk and go murder suicide. This case no. is closed. Grab a couple things. Let's get the hell out of here. It's almost you know it's five thirty. You know, dinner's at seven. I'm expecting a cold beer and a steak. No, we still like go that. through everything. We still go all through all the procedures. We collect yes. all the evidence. Uh, we still do the autopsy. Um, and it, we interview still interview, talk to people, friends. case in neighborhoods. Um, you know, it's, it's still 100% until we're certain that it is. You know, we have to rule out everything else before we can say we're done with this case. I just want to clear something up real quick. When you said what the little girl told us, just, just for the listeners, so you know, a little girl like that, five years old, we do not interview the little girls or little boys or whoever it may be. If they blurt something out or they're talking about it, we will listen, but we don't ask questions to make them remember. We have professionals, uh, our Casey Center, and we have... Uh, people that know how to deal with them little kids. So um, they're a, a wonderful entity. They help us, uh, and they have the degrees to know how to handle things like that. So please don't think that we interrogate or talk to these little kids because we don't. Um, well, our biggest thing with little kids like that is what can we do to make this as easy as possible? It's never going to be easy, but what can we do to kind of smooth that road you know like you said yeah. using the professionals and you know we're professional we, we could do it but we're not as good as the forensic interviewers a lot of the females that do this we're not as good as that so be smart enough to recognize you're not as good as this person let them do what they do direct do what you do and, and talk to the people and gather the evidence get everything we were we were 99 percent sure this was murder suicide but what if what if there was a third person in there? What, we still have to go through everything. We still have to collectively sit down and go through it with the prosecutor. And when we do that, it's, you know, big conference table. What do you do? What do you feel? You get your say. You get your say. We go around the room. Everybody gets their say. Everybody has an equal say. If you want to gripe about something, you get to do it. It's that ranks out the door. The prosecutor's there. We've had arguments. I mean, we have yelled at each other. We have cussed at each other. And you know what? At the end, we, it just it's, it's a focus because 
you have to be accurate. You have to be honest. You have to be thorough. And everybody's going towards the same step. Sometimes I may not explain something as clearly as what it should be. And now you're getting pissed because I'm not as clear. And I'm getting pissed because you're dumb for not understanding. And it's not that. It's just the verbiage and things need to be um, vetted out and said. And like I said, we've had our arguments. And if people heard some of that stuff that goes on there, they go, Jesus. Especially when you're going two or three days without sleep yeah. nonstop because every lead is still hot. And you got you to gotta go while, while it's hot. Yeah. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen guys flopped around the office taking a 15, 20-minute nap. Get up, eat a candy bar, drink a soda pop, and let's hit it again. Let's go. But you, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. You owe it. You owe it to get every bit of information that's available so you can definitely say this is a murder-suicide and here's why. With trajectories, with blood spatter, with evidence, with statements, with backgrounds, with um, good common forensic thought process and evidence gathering and it just makes a difference if you go in and just give a hit like a promise to something and three years down the line you screwed it up you don't get a do-over you're forever tarnished by that so please don't think these even the, the things that look like a throwdown they're not throwdowns they have to be they have to be taken care of and then like I said we have to present it to the prosecutor and, you know um there's going to be questions. Did you do this? Did you find this out? And sometimes there's something that maybe I didn't think of, that he didn't think of, that he, yeah, you know what, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll get that taken care of. And it's taken care of, and we'll come back for another meeting, and, okay, here's the outcome. Warrant for this dude's arrest. Um, this is closed with, with murder-suicide. It, it's, it worked out. It works out. It's a, it's a strong group of people. They're all eight personalities, or you wouldn't be there. I want guys that worked with me that every once in a while you got to grab by the shirt and go, hang on a second, let's, let's think this out a little bit. Instead, i got to pick you up and toss your ass out the door to go do your job. Because if that happens, you're not going to have a job with, with me. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. Um, when, we, when we do those roundtables, everybody brings a piece of the puzzle. And then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but you are... But blood spatter expert as well as uh, shooting reconstruction expert. Yes. So you can look at something like that and pretty much you know what it is. I mean, but, I got to do the totality. No, of I understand that, but I mean, yeah. knowing what you know with your knowledge and your training, uh, like Tim said, it's still we still ran for a week with an interview and investigating and collecting and stuff. Right. And uh, so when when Tim says. Each guy has a, a, especially whatever. I mean, we've got people that are just incredible and together make a great team. Yeah, everybody's got a strength in something, and not everybody's as strong as somebody else in everything. So it's, you know, some people are smart with phones, some people are smart with interviews, some people are smart with shooting reconstruction, and so on. And it, you know, that's why we're a team and we put our heads together and we do it together. I don't know. It, this is actually a pretty short podcast um, because this one was, there's not a whole lot to tell you than what we've already told you. And I think if you, if you can picture a five-year-old sitting on a couch while dad's killing mom and then committing suicide in your room and then trying to 
I'm trying to live through that and be normal. And God, I hope everything turns out okay for her. Um, it, it's it's a it's a tough thing. But in addition to that, we could have caught a case the next day. We you know it doesn't stop with this one. You still have to go through all the procedures. You can't cut the corners because now you caught another one that's got a little bit more um, a little bit more problems with it. You're going to have to work that much harder. So please, when you listen when you listen to this, all cops aren't bad. Systemic racism is BS. No cop wakes up in the morning and goes, it's a bright sunny day. God, I hope I get to kill somebody today. I really do. So I can be scrutinized and talked about and called a racist and all sorts of stuff. It doesn't happen. 99% of the cops are great people. There are some idiots. There are some turds. And we try and get rid of our own. We, no good cop wants a bad cop. And I keep saying I keep, and I'm going to keep saying it. Because you need to hear the other side of what goes on. Um, we wouldn't be able to do these things if it wasn't for the veterans that fought overseas for us throughout the years. Without their guts and their their courage, we wouldn't be able to do things we're doing. The first responders, I got to thank all those people. Um, I got to thank people that stepped up, that were witnesses, that want to get involved and aren't going to sit back and take the abuse by you know, burning stuff down and tearing stuff up and being ran off and being lied to, that actually have the courage to stand up and go, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to tell you what happened. I got the guts and I know I know I might be putting myself out, but I'm going to do it. We need more of those people. Go and listen to Clifton French at Real News Michiana and start getting the truth. He's not trying to make the news. He's reporting the news. He's not trying to slant the news. He's reporting the news. He's not trying to lie about the news. He's reporting the news. And you make your own decision. Uh, I want to thank you. 45 years of being a policeman, I want to thank you. I, uh, it was an honor and a pleasure to serve. Um, I wouldn't go back now because I don't have the personality for it, quite honestly. Um, I'm not putting cocoa butter on your ass. I'm not telling you what a bad life you had. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses for your behavior. If you did something wrong, I'm going to arrest you, put you in jail, and hopefully you go to prison. Then I don't have to worry about you. But uh, said it a hundred times that tree hugging, oil saving, earth muffin stuff that may work for somebody else, but it doesn't work for us. Our job is to protect you, we're going to protect you. Give us the opportunity. You said it all. <laughs> Thank you for your time. It's, no, that's nothing bad. If you need me, uh, 574-229-8115. I presently have three homicide cases that I'm working that I've been hired to work on. Maybe a fourth, uh, if they give me a call here, I'm available. I still like chasing. I still like doing. I'm very successful at it. Um, I'm not limited to just homicides. Um, I don't do I don't do criminal defense work. If you're a child molester or a rapist or whatever. Don't bother calling me because I'm not going to help you. As a matter of fact, I'll probably do you. So don't bother with that. But uh, I'm here and I'll, I'll help. Thank you.